This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating multiple NESCAC Athlete of the Week award winners. The Bates baseball team swept a huge doubleheader with Bowdoin, and women's lacrosse beat the Polar Bears in the snow. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's lacrosse team visited snowy Brunswick on Wednesday and defeated Bowdoin 17-6 in a game that ended early due to intense snow. All-American goalkeeper Hannah Jeffrey made 10 saves in the victory. We knew they were a driving team. It's kind of important for defenders to know where they are kind of on the field and so they can kind of step up and play them. And it was, I mean, it was even hard for me to say. There was one point where uh, me and a Bowdoin girl were actually trying to find the 8 meter and we just had no idea where it was, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And was that the craziest conditions you've ever played in? Um, I think it's up there. There was a game maybe our sophomore year where it was sunny and then it rained and then it hailed and then it snowed and then it went back to being sunny again. So that might have been the weirdest, but it was definitely high on that list. Despite a loss to second-ranked Middlebury on Saturday, the Bobcats moved up to eighth in the national rankings. The women's lacrosse team is now 10-2 and on the season and they visit 17th-ranked Tufts on Tuesday, April 19th. It was a tough week for the men's lacrosse team as they dropped a Wednesday game to Bowdoin and a Saturday road contest to Middlebury, but Bates is still a very solid 8-3 and and is ranked 13th in the nation. They look to get back on track this upcoming Tuesday, the 19th at 7 o'clock when they host third-ranked Tufts. Speaking of getting back on track, The baseball team snapped a four-game losing streak on Saturday when they swept Bowdoin in a doubleheader. After losing 13-1 on Friday to the Polar Bears, Bates responded in a big way to win the series on Saturday. In Game 1, Connor Speed tossed six shutout innings for the victory. He walked two and struck out a career-high nine batters while only allowing two hits. Head coach Mike Leonard was impressed with Speed's ability to bounce back from a rough outing the previous weekend. He's got really, really exceptional stuff. So anytime he goes out there, he's got the ability to make guys swing and miss. I think that there was a little extra motivation for him. I think that he knows he's better than the way he threw against Tufts, and I I think that he also is a really, really good teammate. So his teammates needed him to step up. He was excited to have the ball. That's part of being a starting pitcher, and he was ready for that task. The NESCAC honored Speed with their Pitcher of the Week award for his performance. We sat down with the San Diego native. The first two innings were a little bit, you know, nerve-wracking, if you will. I know you were working between innings on your changeup and whatnot, so what adjustments did you make throughout the game? I think it was the third inning. Uh, Coach Leonard told me to go down the pin, get a feel for my changeup, just because pretty early on I was pegging guys, just because it was moving more more than usual, and I made the adjustments, and it ended up working out pretty, pretty well. And do you think maybe perhaps that early wildness was effective for you because it maybe had the guys on their toes a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that's what Leonard always says. Like, I'm almost effectively wild in a sense. And I think they're up there. I was getting ahead early in counts, and they were looking at my fastball, and that just made it easier to, um, you know, strike guys out. 
I know, and you were second in the NESCAC entering the game in strikeouts and had a career-high nine strikeouts in that game. Did you realize you were approaching a career-high, or is that not even in your mind? Um, well, I, I, when I pitch, like, I don't really, like, know. Like, I'm like, oh, I have, like, about, like, five or something. I don't know. I, and I was like, oh, I think I have, like, I don't know, like, seven, eight. But I didn't really know until after the game when, when all my teammates and stuff were telling me, like, yeah, you K'd, like, nine, ten guys. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then... Uh, early on, some defensive struggles for the team, but later in the games, I mean, we had some great defensive plays. You had some, you know, uh, Berto over there at third making a nice play on one, of the, on one of the balls. You had Sam Warren making that sliding catch. So it was probably nice as a pitcher to see the defense start to step up a little bit, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, we just, like, as a team, we'd pick each other up. Like, I thought it was my job at the beginning of the game to, you know, pick up my, my teammates on those errors, and it ended up, uh, you know, coming back with some good karma because uh, I got the defense on my end. Yeah, absolutely. And then, obviously, arrival in Bowdoin. I know you guys were pumped up after the sweep of the doubleheader. I mean, that was would – you, would you call those must-win games early in the season somewhat? Oh, oh absolutely. Those are must-win games. We, like, Bowdoin's a team we have to beat. You know, they're our, our rival. Like, we, every game we play with them is super chippy. And, like, it, it's really good to have that momentum going into Trinity and Colby, you know. Yeah. I know this happened in game two, but Coach Leonard getting ejected from the game fired people up, didn't it? Oh my gosh! Right, right when he started sprinting towards that umpire, like our dugout was going absolutely wild. Like, it like that totally shifted the momentum in our favor. Cause after that, like we just like piled on runs. Like people were getting clutch hits. It was unreal. One of those players getting clutch hits on Saturday was senior Sam Warren. He drove in a total of eight runs in the doubleheader, including three in Bates' six to three victory over the Polar Bears in Game One and five in their 9-5 win over Bowdoin in Game 2. Game 2 featured three separate Bates comebacks before they took the lead for good in the eighth inning on Warren's bases-clearing double. Next delivery, Warren, a high drive, deep center field! It's going to land for a base hit and go all the way to the wall! Bates is going to score three runs on a bases-clearing double for Sam Warren and the Bobcats lead 8-5. to five. Warren also homered in the game and made a sliding catch in right. For his outstanding performance at the plate and in the field, Sam Warren is our male Bobcat of the week. Tough loss on Friday. You're able to bounce back and get the doubleheader sweep. What was the team mentality? What were you guys saying to each other entering Saturday's doubleheader? Uh, you know, we just kind of knew that we were going to be okay. You know, the season at this point is really kind of in our control. We have like 20 games down the stretch, and every NESCAT game counts, and we knew that after Friday that wasn't our best baseball, and if we come back to our home place and take two, we're right where we wanted to be. So everyone was, you know, I think a little more focused than we may have been at the start, but no one was worried. I think everyone was just really fired up to get back to our home place. And then, obviously, in the game two, kind of the first time I think Coach Leonard has ever been ejected from a game. You guys were very hyped up. I saw in the dugout. So what was that like? How did that fire you up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he actually got ejected on a play uh, that happened right after one of my at-bats. So I saw it, like, like right up close. Um, I, know, I know right after it happened, our whole team went berserk. We loved it. It's been four years for me here, and I've never seen um, Leonard get ejected which I think says a lot about what his coaching style was like. So for him to do that was just, it was big for us. It really showed that he backed us up and that he was really committed to getting that W. So it was, it was a big, uh, big boost for us, for sure. 
And then offensively at the plate for you, obviously a huge doubleheader. You had the home run, and that must have felt good, right, to have your first home run since California. Yeah, it did. Um, I was in a little bit of a slump coming back, so for me to produce in a game in conference was, was really big for me. And then defensively also you had a nice sliding catch. How that play develop? Uh, I saw the ball on the line. Uh, a guy popped it up toward the line, and I knew I had a shot to make a play on it. So usually when a ball's on the line, you don't want to go – full extension grab because there's a chance it could get by you, guy gets extra bases. So I kind of went with a slide, and uh, I guess I just timed it well and got some leather on it. And then your journey, you're a senior now. Um, I know you've pitched for the team before, including this year a little bit. Obviously, you've been playing a lot of outfield. But I know the sophomore year was a huge year for you and then kind of struggled your junior year, and now it seems like you're back on track your senior year, high on base percentage and everything. So what's that journey been like? What have you been working on throughout your career? No, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been a four-year starter here. You know, Coach Leonard's definitely invested a lot in me. Um, I had a breakout sophomore year. I had a really good season my junior year. Um, I actually had a lot of things going on off the field, which I think attributed to my success on the field or my lack of success on the field. I started off really hot and then um, we came back and I, I was struggling in school with a few of my classes. And I had to sit out of a few games because of that, which was good life lesson, good thing to learn. And then unfortunately after I came back, after missing some time, um, I pulled my hamstring and eventually got a partial tear in it, which was really, really tough to play with. Um, playing hurt's never fun. So this year to kind of come back and like take some of the things I've learned, you know, Focus on getting schoolwork done early. Focus on, you know, being with the team as much as possible, staying on top of my business. Um, you know, just the things off the field that really helped me be successful on the field. So I, I would say, as a four-year player and a four-year starter, that's definitely been the biggest key for me. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a key for a lot of our guys down the road too. Yeah, we often talk to student athletes about how they balance the academics and the athletics because it's a lot of time commitment. Yeah. So what specifically have you learned about that? Um, well, for me, you know, if, if you get an assignment early, you know, say you have a weekend game and a professor gives you an assignment on like a Monday and it says it's due the following Monday. For me, like, I don't know, my head just feels clear and I feel normal if I have that assignment due before we play. For some reason, like, I don't know, I guess it's just, that's just the way it works for me. Like, if I know that I have like assignment or a big um, like test, paper, whatever it could be coming up and I have a game at the same time, it just never works out that I play as well. I guess it's always in the back of my mind, maybe subconsciously, I don't know. But, you know, going into a game, I feel, like, really clear. Like, for example, Bowdoin, um, I had, like, a take-home midterm assignment due. Uh, it's due tomorrow, but I finished it Friday night. So I think Saturday, the only thing I'm thinking about is seeing the ball, hitting the ball, playing the game. So that just kind of simplifies it for me. And it worked out big time. You had that late double in game two to give you guys the lead. Bases clearing double. I saw the bench explode, obviously, for that yeah. for good reasons. What was that moment like for you? Oh, I was fired up. You know, Bowden, obviously, they're our rivals. And I don't want to say anything bad about my, <laughs> you know, about people we play against. But, uh, you know, it was big for us. You know, tied game, bases loaded. It's a big spot. And I was happy I could come out there and produce. And I know that's big for the team. It was a lot of fun in the locker room afterwards. It was, it was a really good feeling for me personally and just to be able to produce for our guys. You guys have a bunch of days off, I guess, from baseball yeah. at least, or at least from games. So you don't play again, I think, for 10 days. So what's that going to be like? Um, well, for me, it's going to be good. You know, i gotta, <laughs> I got to finish up my senior thesis. So uh, that's been kicking me in the butt a little bit. So pretty soon that will all be behind me and behind you know, everybody else too. Um, but it's going to be good. You know, we, we don't start practice until Wednesday this week, so we got two days to kind of handle our business in the classroom and come back with a redefined focus. But, uh, you know, it's going to be weird, but, you know, once academics are done, the field just changes. I mean, you can really just focus on being a baseball player. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. And then now going back to when you were looking at colleges a, a while back, you're a senior now, but you're coming from Virginia. So what attracted you to come up here to Maine to play for Bates? 
Yeah, um, so out of high school, my focus um, as a student athlete, I knew I wanted to be a college ball player since day one in high school. Um, my parents, you know, they both they both went to the University of North Carolina. They're very big, you know, proponents of higher education, and they uh, they just told me, you know, look for the best option for you academically. Like, go to the place that's going to fit you the best academically. So when I was kind of starting my college search, um, actually initially I had a verbal commitment to Georgetown, and I was pretty set on going there. But my SAT scores didn't quite fall in line around the time of the signing day. So when that didn't work out, I was kind of panicking last minute, trying to think about what I wanted to do. And I'd taken a trip to Boston College, talked about maybe like a walk-on spot there. Um, and while I was there, Bates saw me, and it just kind of like fell in good timing. Um, so after Georgetown didn't pan out, they called me and said, okay, we really want you to come up for a visit. Um, so I took my visit and learned more about the school and really kind of fell in love with the campus culture and the vibe from the team. And, you know, once I found that match athletically and academically, it really was kind of a no-brainer for me. All right, last question for you. What's the dream finish to your senior season? Dream finish? Uh, personal goals aside, <laughs> get to get an SCAC championship 100%. I mean, we've come pretty close the last two years. My sophomore and my junior year, we were very close. This year, I don't think it could be any better than, uh, you know, walking off the field in Holloman Stadium in New Hampshire with a ring. I mean, that wouldn't get much better. Go to regional, play, play deep into May. I mean, that's, looking back on that, that would be a great way to end my college career for sure. So looking forward to it. All right, excellent. Samuel Warren, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. The softball team lost some narrow games to Bowdoin and Trinity over the weekend, but senior center fielder Karen Lockhart shined on the diamond. She went 6 for 14 on the week with a double, triple, and home run for a slugging percentage of 857. She also played error-free defense with one home run saving catch. Karen Lockhart, our female Bobcat of the Week. Joined by our female Bobcat of the Week, Karen Lockhart. And Karen, obviously, your senior center fielder for the softball team. I understand you took away a home run with a catch this past weekend. What was that play like for you? Yeah, um, that was crazy. Part of the reason, too, is it was a shorter field, so the fence was a little bit shorter. Um, so a little bit lucky in that sense, but bottom of the seventh, um, you know, if they had scored, they, they would have won at that moment. So um, it was definitely kind of one of the, the cool moments. Um, you always kind of try to picture those as uh, an outfielder. They don't come around too often, so I'm just happy they uh, got there in time. I had my, my other two outfielders yelling fence, so that was a big help as well. Um, yeah, it was just uh, in a bigger field, it wouldn't have been anything special. It just would have been a, a long ball into deep center. So it was cool to save that, but too bad we couldn't get the win there. Yeah, some close games over the weekend against Bowdoin, and then you had to go a one-day trip to Connecticut. What was that like? Um, yeah, it was tough coming off of a doubleheader with Bowdoin, but um, we always look forward to the NESCAC play. And um, I think Trinity, the, the training game was particularly tough, knowing that we had, you know, we had to come in with a kind of a ten-run deficit from the the game before. So um, I think our goal was just to start off strong, and we did that with with good at bats. Um, as a team, as, for, as a whole, we hit really well that day. Um, so it's just translating that defensively as well um, to get the win. But. Yeah, and then offensively for you at the play, obviously you're having a very good season, one of the top players in the NESCAC in doubles and, and whatnot. And so what's working for you up there at the plate right now? It seems like I mean, you had a good year last year, but you might take a next step this season. Um, I think there's a couple of different components. Um, part of it is also just kind of team chemistry too. So if, if everybody's hitting well, it's easier to keep the momentum going. Um, individually and I think for me just uh, mechanically um, changing a couple things around has been working well and I think mostly just confidence too 
um, you know, as a senior, having that experience the past couple of years has been really helpful. Um, but just going up to the plate, knowing that, um, you know, doing everything I can to help the team offensively in that sense, you know, having that confidence is, is, is a real asset as well. And then you've been a two-sport athlete, soccer and softball, your entire career here at Bates. And so did you originally come into Bates thinking you were going to do that, or did it kind of develop it like that? Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to come in to play two sports. That was one of the reasons why I, I did choose Bates was because it was a school that allowed me to play both. Um, and, and really, um, you know, being able to play two, I think, as an athlete is, you know, to get the cross training in, to get two different team sets and different, two different cultures has been one of, if not my favorite part um, of being a student athlete here at Bates. And obviously a, a tough start so far for the softball team, but um, what's the mentality like right now going going forward, trying to you know get some victories here in the here? Cause I know last year was a tough start also, and you were able to get some late wins last season. Yeah, it's definitely tough. And if you look at kind of a record, 0-18 isn't, uh, isn't good, and it's, it's definitely a tough pill to swallow at this point. But I think um, moving forward, we need to keep the mindset of, you know, one game at a time, just trying to improve um, and, and maybe not looking at the scores right now, but um, looking at what we can do individually kind of each day to get better. So, you know, stats are kind of a funny thing and numbers are a funny thing in sports. So, if, you know, if you're a good player, you're, you're failing 60% of the time really. Or, um, so to look at what you can do in that 60%, so like that, those six at-bats, what more can I do um, to help the team? And, and really just looking at it as a whole, um, as you know, we still have three weeks left to, to finish strong and to make the most of it. And uh, hopefully we can kind of prove people wrong at this point. Um, and that's really what I'm looking forward to do. And obviously you're in center field, but you have, th I believe, three different first-year pitchers um, this season. So uh, young young pitchers, what have you seen from them so far? I've seen um, a huge a huge jump from them as well in the, the first couple of weeks. Um, and really it's just they're getting their feet wet, but they're very talented and um, you know, they've got a really great future ahead of them as well. And um, they've, I think they turned a corner this past week. Um, we played uh, four super competitive games, um, all close. They did their jobs, we did our jobs. And I think it's just um, confidence, building confidence for them. And um, I think we just, as the center fielder or as kind of a defense, we want them to know that kind of we have their backs out there. And um, that's kind of my goal is to catch everything that, that comes close to me. So. I know I was talking with another senior on the, on the baseball team, Sam Warren. She's still working on a senior thesis. How's that going for you? Um, so I finished my thesis first semester. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was nice to finish that up. But I actually have been doing my student teaching um, at Oak Hill High School this semester, and I just wrapped that up as well. So um, kind of all that I have left right now is uh, softball and short term. So it'll be a fun end to the year. All right, sounds good. Karen, thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. The men's and women's track and field teams competed at MIT over the weekend, and both teams produced some very impressive performances. On the men's side, while most of the team went to MIT, senior Alan Summerall became the third fastest 10,000-meter runner in team history at the Sam Howell Invitational at Princeton University. He is currently fourth in the nation on the 10,000-meter Division III performance list. At MIT, Junior Evan Ferguson Hull won the 3,000 meter steeplechase. Junior Michael Horowitz won the 5,000 meters with a new personal best time of 1501.84. First year Tyler Harrington won the javelin throw. And senior Nick Margitza won the shot put. 
but the star of the meet was sophomore Adedire Fakaridi. He earned the NESCAC Field Performer of the Week award by setting new personal bests in the hammer throw, where he finished in first place, the discus, where he finished second, and the shot put, where he finished third. It was actually funny. Going into that week, uh, my coach was talking about how that meet is kind of like geared towards my strengths in the sense that discus is my best and most favorite event. Hammer is the second, and third is the... I mean, shot put is the third best. So, like, start starting off, uh, I, I actually opened up with the 32-meter throw at discus, and uh, that really, like, got me riled up, and I, I uh, responded with the personal best of 48 meters plus, and I don't know, after that, it was just, it was fun, because at that point, me and Nick were having fun, and we, we were just pushing each other, and once we take nervousness, and ner when we take nerves out a meet like that, and we start having fun, that's when good, great things happen, and I was glad that we were able to establish that early on. I know mentally for you and Nick, you love the MIT meet. Uh, what makes it so fun? Well, actually, last year that that meet was uh, was where I uh, set my personal record to qualify for uh, uh, ECACs. I threw 46 meters there, so definitely had a lot of success. The, the circle was nice, and also another point was uh, yesterday's weather earlier on in discus. The sun was out, and it was actually pretty sunny. So I mean, it was pretty warm. So uh, that was also an advantage, I think, rather than last week that it was raining and cold. So it's a little warmer. Yeah, and I, I assume obviously the weather does come into play yeah. somewhat. I mean, does the wind come into play at all, or does wind? that not really matter? I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there is. I think it's a tailwind or headwind that helps the discus, but yesterday there wasn't really that much wind, so uh, that, that, that wasn't a factor at all. So. Yeah, and you and Nick, back-to-back -back, uh, NESCAC Field Performers of the Week. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, uh, I mean, I said this uh, earlier to, to Nick this week. Like, he's actually an older brother to me, a mentor, and yeah. it's very awesome that, like, he's able to pass down all he knows. And, like, he's so good in explaining what he does that it's, I don't know, it makes my life a little easier because uh, he worked hard for everything he got, not taken away from anyone else. But he's just very vocal, and he, he, he like, every all my success, and shop it like it's from Nick he's he's been carrying me along every step of the way and, I, and I, hopefully uh, I can go a little farther this year and then what's coming up next for you guys uh, we have UNH next week that's gonna be uh, pretty exciting uh, hopefully the, the weather's a little better and uh, <laughs> definitely be a Nick are gonna try to have fun again that day hopefully we can get uh, a couple PRs again yeah for sure and then I guess um, you know going forward this year you you've PR now and all three events in the same meet, and so you're, you're trying to get more of that, but where are you ranking in terms of the um, possibilities of going to nationals in these events? Uh, right now, I'm fourth in the nation in discus, and I think I'm 11th or 12th in hammer, mm -hmm. So, and Nick is also fourth in the shot put, and he's eighth in the hammer, so potentially we can both go, I can go for disc and hammer, and he can go for shot and hammer, so hopefully we can just keep up, keep improving our marks as other kids are doing, be doing um, better and improving their marks, so we can all being the uh, the shots for nationals for two events. Yeah, I know, and, and he helps you out with the shot put. And you, do you help him out with the discus? I know the discus is his least oh, favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I give him supporters in the discus. I mean, Nick Nick is a kind of guy that if he spends some time, all he needs to do is spend some time away from the discus, and he's gonna launch that thing. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time of like tapering off, and he knows it. Like he has a big one coming, and I can't wait to see it. All right, excellent, D-Ray. Thanks so much. No problem. Have a nice day. The women's track and field team impressed at MIT as well. Sophomore Sally Cisse broke the program record in the outdoor triple jump in a first-place finish. Bates won the 4x100 and the 4x400 relay races. First-year Aiden Eikhoff won the 800-meter race, and senior Alexis Dickinson won the 100 meters. But the NESCAC Track Performer of the Week award 
went to junior Allison Hill. She was part of the winning 4x100 relay team and finished second in the 400-meter hurdles. She also finished second in the 100-meter hurdles. We caught up with the soccer and track star. Anything more than a 200 is a lot for me, and especially so with 10 hurdles around the track. So it's more just getting your mind ready for running that far. And it was nice because I had the MIT girl who's, I think, second in the country right now. So being able to follow her throughout the race really helped me stay motivated. Um, and yeah, so I was really happy because I think my best time was about seven seconds slower or before that. So going about seven seconds faster was a good time for me. Yeah, that's pretty significant in track for sure. And then um, the relay team won. Have you raced with this relay team often? I mean, I know Alexis is in it, right? Right, yeah. Alexis and I have been doing relays since middle <laughs> school, so we're pretty used to being together. But yeah, this relay, we've had some difficulties getting the handoffs. Um, like last week, we just couldn't get the handoffs, so we were DQ'd. Um, but this week, it was really great. We kind of changed our marks up, and we were able to get it all the way uh, through, and we got a good time, and um, we won. So we're just hoping to kind of get those small things together so we can cut down the seconds and hopefully um, look at a national qualifying. And then the last one I want to talk about is the weird one, the 100 meters uh, hurdles, right? Um, and then, so you won the race, but there was a technical glitch. So explain to the people what happened there. Right, so we ran the first time and I won. It wasn't one of my best races, but I was happy that I won. Um, but then we looked up and the timing didn't uh, count. They didn't, the gun didn't synchronize with the timing, so we had to run it again. So we went back, started to finish or at the start line, and uh, they put the gun off. We got over the first two hurdles, then we heard a second gun, which means you have to come back because there was a false start. But the gun wasn't working with the timing again, so then finally on the third time, it was good, and I ended up getting second. It wasn't one of my better races, but uh, I still got a decent time, so I'm satisfied with that even though it was a lot of hurdles to run, but good practice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, mentally, what is that like? I mean, you're done with the race, and you're like, wait, we have to do it again? <laughs> right. I think it might have been good that my first race wasn't, I hit a, I probably hit like six hurdles, so it wasn't one of my better races. I think if I had a really good race, I would have been extremely frustrated. But um, So I, I was kind of excited that I get to run again, um, and kind of just staying like humorous about it because there's nothing you can do about it so you just have to roll with it and I think that we all just did that efficiently. Great and then what's coming up for the women's track and field team? Right so we have a couple more me uh, regular season meets and then um, looking we're looking forward to like NESCACs and division threes and that's kind of what um, our main goal is and so yeah these next few meets are really crucial to qualifying because a lot of the other teams have the ability to go to like California and Florida um, during their breaks which don't work for us because of our like separate breaks so it's really important to like get these times in now um, and like we might have to work a little harder than the other teams because they can get a good time in California whereas we have to fight through the snow or the rain so I think it makes us tougher for the end of the season. Yeah, outdoor track, certainly uh, an interesting adventure here up in Maine. Uh, Allie, thanks so much. Thank you very much. The rowing teams competed against some of the top-ranked programs in the nation this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. The top-ranked Bates women's team's first and second varsity eights went undefeated against the likes of number three Wellesley, number five Wesleyan, number six Trinity, number seven Tufts, and number 11 WPI. With the President's Cup set for this Sunday against Colby and Bowden, we sat down with rowing head coach Peter Steenstra. Coach, this past weekend, a race on Saturday, 
for men and women, and then a race on Sunday also. So back-to-back days with races, uh, how do you think it went? Obviously, the results were pretty good. Yeah, the results were really good, um, but it's a weekend that we look forward to because it is set up um, kind of like a championship regatta would be in that you do have uh, a lot of racing happening on the first day, and then you would have addition the, the finals racing happening on the second day, or or in, in most of our championship regattas would be morning and then evening. So it, it's a good test uh, for us to have a championship-style event where a lot of racing is expected from all the athletes. So they get three races in the weekend, and that that's about uh, what we, we want them to be doing. And then also going up against other top-ranked opponents, right, especially the women. I know Wellesley's way up there. Yeah, Wellesley's doing really well, and they have a deep program. They've got four or five-eighths worth of women. So it, it's a good test for us, and uh, it's com- it's competitive all the way down to the bottom cruise, so it's a lot of fun for everybody. Um, and then we got to see Trinity on the women's side um, and on the men's side, a, a really great race with WPI and an up-and-coming Tufts program because they got a new coach last year and he's really kind of changed things around for them. So it, it's a, a really good race. Absolutely. Now, we, we all know about you know the first varsity eight, the second varsity eight. And there's also the third varsity eight, but you also have novice races, which I find interesting, and also with four instead of eight sometimes. What's that like? Well, the novice racing, it's a throwback from the old, uh, back in the old days when everything was a freshman team. So, like, there were freshman basketball teams for the longest time. Bobby Knight is famous for for really wanting to keep the freshman (laughs) team alive because it's the best way to adjust to being an athlete and a student at the same time. But for us, the novice concept is that many people don't even find rowing until they get to college. So we provide that to anyone. They, they, the ability to show up and you want to do something more than just be a student and you want to have an athletic outlet and rowing is something that almost anyone can learn um, and, and then eventually be good at if you actually like it. But the novice event just handicaps. It's like handicap in golf, right? It, it just has people paired up um, so that they're racing against others who have just learned the sport. And we have eights and we have fours, but the priority is the eight. Anytime we're putting together novice fours, it's just because we have the right number of people and we fit the category and we, we enter a boat in that. Sure, and then from a coaching perspective, obviously the top two eights are important, very important for winning national titles and whatnot, but then you also have to work with the younger kids because they're going to eventually hopefully be maybe in those top two eights down the road. And so how do you balance those priorities? Well, I balance the priorities by I run the varsity eights from both teams. So I, I as a coach, have four eights, two yeah. men, two women. And then I, the rest of the team is split between my two coaches. Mm-hmm. So they will get uh, one novice eight or they'll get one third varsity eight and they'll work with them. So that the bottom of the team is actually getting more coaching than yeah. the top of the team, which sounds upside down. But because we are an endurance-based sport and a work-based sport, just purely put the time in, um, you can't learn to train properly until you're actually good at rowing properly. So that's why we do most of our coaching at the bottom of the team. And even then, when I'm doing my coaching, I'm coaching the JV8 more than I'm coaching the Varsity 8 mm-hmm. because, again, they're the ones that need to make the changes, whereas the Varsity 8, it, we talk strategy or we might talk small changes, or, but really it's just training. Sure, absolutely. So what's, what is, what's up next for both rowing teams? We have our home uh, regatta, our annual showdown with for the President's Cup. Uh, this is the 20th year, and um, 
and it, it's something that we really look forward to. We've got got a nice string of wins here. I think we're at eight or nine or something. But um, you know, the Col Colby and Bowden programs, they they kind of gear themselves up for this race. I know they get excited for it. It's it's this classic old rival rivalry of these three schools, and it makes for a fun atmosphere. And um, and, and we actually the way the points all work out in order to win the cup, uh, the women's say for example the women's novice four is worth the same number of points as the men's varsity eight. Okay. So we we kind of make our lineups outside of the way we would uh, race say at the New England Championships or something. Mm -hmm. So we are prioritizing. Um, the best possible crews for each event, um, and and so it, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to make a one v two v three v and so on. We are going to prioritize the racing events first, and then we'll we fill in after that. Okay, interesting. And then for people who want to come out and check out the Presidents Cup, what's the atmosphere like? What they can, what can they, can they expect to see? They can expect to see uh, a whole lot of buses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, not buses, but minivans <laughs> and things. And and uh, there's going to be a giant tent with hamburgers and, <laughs> and hot dogs uh, but you stand along the shore and every 10 minutes or so a, a boat race comes by <laughs> you know it's not the most spectator friendly sport there's, there's no question about that but the, there's going to be you know 200 220 athletes there uh, boats being moved around and uh, you know watch launching and everything and the finish line is the dock okay so when you're standing there in the trees and you're watching the races happen whatever whoever's winning at the dock that's how you know who won the race Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the track and field team's performances as they head to New Hampshire for the UNH Wildcat Invitational. The softball team hits the road for four games in two days this weekend against Amherst and Thomas. Then they host Fisher for a doubleheader on Monday. Meanwhile, the men's and women's tennis teams host Connecticut College on Sunday. And as we just discussed with Coach Steenstra, the President's Cup Regatta takes place this Sunday. For both rowing teams. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.